This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as past teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. We are starting a new series today, and um, um, we're glad that you're here. And this series is called Unwrapped Living. Unwrapped Living, realizing your God-given gifts. And I'm excited for this season as a church. There is a strength as a church. Balcony, I see you, by the way. I see you up there, Balcony. There is a, this, there's a strength in our church we've never seen before. I'm excited for this season as a church. There's a strength. There's also a hunger in our church to grow in faith, but also grow in impact that we have not seen in our prior four years. I'm really excited for this season as a church. Coming back, so much uncertainty, so unknown. Last week, um, there's such a hunger for the word of God. We gave away almost 40 Bibles this last week alone. Yeah, that, you can clap for that. So many guests, there's a hunger for the presence of God. There's a hunger for the growth of God in people's lives. And we're excited for this season in an uncertain season where people say the church, the church will not uh, bounce back. God has a plan. God has a church and God has his people. Can someone say amen? We're excited. In this series that we're starting today, uh, the next few weeks, I don't say this lightly, has the potential for your life and potential for this church to lead us into a new season. It has the potential to be a game changer if we lean into this series for your life and my life, but also for our church to usher in a new season as a church. Today, I want to pray and just bless you as we talk about um, this new series, Unwrapped Living. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. Thank you that your presence is here. God, as we unpack and unwrap, God, I pray that we would not just hear information, but God, that there would be transformation. I pray we'd leave here different than we walked in, more in love with you, more like you, and more passionate about your plan for our lives and our part in changing this city. God, thank you for each one that's here. Thank you for every guest that's here. Thank you for every church member that's here. Father, thank you that you're here. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Um, these are challenging days, really challenging days. Uh, I'm navigating my own mental health. I don't know if you are. I'm navigating my own spiritual health. I'm navigating my physical health. These are challenging days. And um, I saw someone say, this is the wrong generation that, 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 that would be drafted into a war. And that's not funny, but like, they're like, they'll be doing TikToks in the trenches, you know? And I was like, these are, I don't know. I don't know. Like, these are challenging days. Are we up for this? And um, they're challenging days. As a church, it's challenging days. And, and we're living in this tension as the church, the big church. People are talking about church being dismantled and, 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 and deconstructed. There's, there's talk about, is it valid? As church, we are living in tension in this time. There's never been more opinions. There's never been more um, feedback. There's never been more isolation. Uh, there's never been more anger. Have you noticed people have a really short fuse? Am I the only one? It seems like there is so much disagreement. These are all things we know. But we are living in a tension as the church. On one side, in this tension, we have, um, we have mainstream culture that says we, the church, are backwards. We're outdated. It's an old book. 
It's old rules. It's, it's so past its prime. It's so old school. It's so outdated. And also that we're intolerant. That this book is intolerant. It's not loving. It's not accepting. And we live in this tension where mainstream culture says we are backwards. On the other side of this tension, we have religious fundamentalists in the church. And they call us compromised. They call us untruthful. They call us secular, worldly, too involved in our community to be holy or set apart. So we have the world saying we're outdated and we're intolerant and we're backwards. And then we have fundamentalists saying we've compromised. We're too close to the world. We're too connected. And I say they're both wrong. We stand in the middle today with Jesus saying you're both wrong. I love as I'm preaching, I'm picturing, I can't tell what you're thinking, but I'm picturing the online comments right now after a statement like that. And it fuels me, I love it. But we stand in the middle today and we're calling for grace and truth, pointing to a life rejecting legalism's hate and violence. We reject hate and violence. We reject that life that people say we're intolerant. We reject that, that you can't disagree and still love. If you're married, you realize you can disagree and still love. Anybody realize that yet? Some of you husbands do not put your hand up right now. (laughs) Disagreeing is not disunity. But we also at the same time say no to ungodly, self-centered, sensual living, resisting making happiness our goal and ourselves the God of our lives. We resist the, 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 the hate and the anger and, and, and the, the judgment, but we also resist just living for what feels good and living for making our happiness the goal. Jesus did not come to make us happy. He doesn't say, well done, good and happy servant. God's not against happiness, but happiness is different than joy. I've realized that in my life. I hope you can too. I wasn't happy last week. I was happy this week. It shouldn't change the way I live. Moods. Thank God for moods. I love emotions. They make great slaves and horrible masters. And don't live by our emotions. But joy of the Lord is my strength. And Jesus prepared us for this tension. He told us his battle was coming. He told us there would be this struggle. He says in John 16, 33, he says, I told you all this that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows. Isn't that so encouraging? Some of you are like, I just came to church to get encouraged today. Hear this, thus saith the Lord. This is your promise for the day. Anybody ever have promise boxes as a kid? Am I, remember those? There was a box, I'm always on back of the sink my mom had, and you pulled a promise for every day. It was always something really positive. This verse was never in there. This, it says, here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows. Oh, just be encouraged today. <laughs> Going to be more wars and rumors of wars and more plagues and... And, and, and the Leafs, the Leafs, you know, God help the Leafs and the Canadians. And there's going to be a lot of trials and sorrows. Uh, but take heart. I love that. But take heart. Because I have overcome the world. Jesus prepared us for this tension. If you're feeling like you're in struggle today, know this, that he is with us. Take heart today because he has overcome. Church, I want to remind you today as we're building something here, we're building lives, we're building his church, is that Jesus needs to be more than just Lord and Savior. Just think about that for a moment. Jesus needs to be more than just Lord and Savior. He also needs to be our model and our example. And there is a difference. So many people want Lord and Savior, 
but then their lives do not reflect Jesus, look like Jesus, or follow Jesus. He needs to be more than just to save us from our sin and get us into heaven. He actually needs to be the example, the model, the, 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 the template. We need, if you're going to imitate the Bible, so if you're going to imitate anything, imitate God. We have people imitating reality stars and TikTok people and pastors and business leaders and politicians. And the Bible says, no, 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 no. Jesus needs to be our model and our example. And we are Jesus followers here. If you don't know who we are, it's more than just a title of Christian. That word gets so watered down. We're more than just a, a, a church. We are Jesus followers, which means if Jesus did it and if Jesus does it, we are about it. We are about Jesus. We're not about religion. We're not about legalism. We're about Jesus. And we're passionate to try to unpack these ancient scriptures and this text and hear from God from today and follow him. We are obsessed with following Jesus. He's more than our Savior and our Lord. He is our model and our example. Do I have any Jesus followers in the room today? Yeah. Jesus, though always God, deliberately chose to limit his divine attributes. He limited himself, put himself into a case of flesh. He made himself man, and, and he limited his divine attributes and his power in order to show us not only who God is, but to demonstrate for us what a normal Christian life should look like. Jesus was all God, and he was all man. That's confusing. I don't even understand it, what I just said. But it's true. He was all God. Jesus was God and is God. But when he came to earth, he was also all man. He was both at the same time. I don't understand it. But he limited his divine capability to show us who God is, but also to demonstrate and model what a normal, I said normal. I know you don't expect to see normal in church, but normal Christian life should look like, which means the Jesus we read about and we know isn't this unattainable example. The Bible says we are actually able and supposed to live like Jesus lived. That is both encouraging and frustrating. Because I know me, I know what I'm like. And my wife, my wife reminds me weekly, Mike, you are not God. And sometimes it's because I don't act in the right way. I'm not holy enough. I don't talk right and think right and, and, and act right. We're supposed to, not Jesus, supposed to be our model and our example. And here's the problem, church, is that there is pain, division, lostness, and evil. And we, the church, don't see happening in our lives what we see in Scripture. Have you, has anybody asked himself that question? Where are the moments and where are the miracles? I'm asking that because in this season of like the last two years, if we can just be real, I don't think we've realized what's happened in the last two years. I think it's going to take years of therapy, years of reflection, years of pondering to process the grief of what we've gone through. People, like rites of passage, like licenses and university and sports and birthdays and travel and, and, and celebrating and gathering, we are processing it. And in that time, I realized what we need is not in-person church, Alone, we need the God of the Bible and we need the church we see in the Bible. When they call me and say, unless there's a miracle, he's not going to make it. I'm not thinking about this room. I'm thinking about our God. Church, the problem is in all the pain and suffering and challenges, I sit there and go, why don't I see in my life and our church what I see in Scripture? 
Where are the miracles and where are the moments? You know those moments we read about in scripture? Those moments of conviction. When Jesus would walk on the scene and because of his love and his truth, people would radically drop to their knees and change their lifestyle going, I'm living wrong. And where are those moments of conviction? Where people could not walk into the presence of Jesus without being aware that he is good and he has a better plan and they are far from him. And instead of just adding him on like a gym membership, they radically change their lives. Where's that conviction? Where are those moments? Where's the radical life change? Where people are living one way and you can tell when they ran into Jesus, when they met Jesus, because their life radically changed. Where are those moments? Where are the moments of healing? When it's not just, let's just say a prayer to make us feel good, but our hope is in in every bit of medicine and therapy, and I believe in those. But it's like, we'll say a prayer just to make sure we're good, cover our bases, but we're not really expecting something to happen. This week I got a call from, I got a text from one of our team saying one of their family members was in a tough situation. There was a lockdown in a mall. They say of an active shooter in our city. And why wasn't my first thought always to pray, but going, hey, do we need to go there and help them? Why is it that sometimes our first thought is, I've got to go see an appointment. I've got to go talk to a banker. I need to go see someone else. When the Bible says that miracles and signs and wonders will follow those that love him. Where are the miracles in my life? Where are those cities turning to Jesus where people, men and women, would walk into cities and talk about the goodness of God and mayors and governors and presidents would radically change and cities change? Is that just for the history books or is that possible today? I don't know if you've been wrestling with this, but I have been wrestling with it for years. And this series, Unwrapped Living, is going to unpack what the Bible says is available to us. And in my life, so many times I have these gifts from God sitting in the corner that I'm waiting for the right time to open. And God's going, what you need is in that opportunity. What you need is in that gift. And I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to figure it out myself. And the Bible says there is more available to us. This series has potential to change your life. Potential to change our church. See, our faith in our churches should be like a three-legged stool. You'll see this this, uh, analogy behind me. Should be like a three-legged stool. See, what they tell you about three-legged stools is that it's not really deep, but if you take away one of the legs, it won't stand up. A three-legged stool is stable, and they say that the church, our lives, should be built like a three-legged stool. It's balanced, it's safe, and it's sturdy. Three-legged stool, you take away one leg and the whole thing falls over. I want to unpack this today as an intro to this series, because if you'll lean in for the next few weeks... If you'll lean into this, I honestly believe God's going to bring a balance, a stability to your life, my life, and this church. And we'll be able to put some weight on what God is building. The city will come to us. Our neighbors will come to us. We can depend on what God is doing, not feeling unstable and unbalanced. It's like a three-legged stool. One leg is allegiance. This is how we're building the church. And this is actually how, as Jesus followers, we're supposed to build our lives. So if you're a Jesus follower, this is for you. The first leg is allegiance. That is faith in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's a growing trust that allows God to do his saving work on our behalf. It's devotion to living for Jesus. It's giving it all. It's walking away from living for ourselves. It's not a life of, of, of comfort or convenience, but a life of devotion. Jesus is not an add-on. He is everything. 
I grew up singing songs like, all to Jesus, I surrender. That was a, an allegiance song. That, man, I don't care what it costs me, I'm following Jesus. A life of following Jesus is built on a, a leg on a pillar of allegiance, which means I follow Jesus. The good or bad, whether uh, sickness or in health, whether in riches or in poor, whether the world comes with me or they deny me, whether I gain or lose, I will follow Jesus. Remember these songs? The cross before me and the world behind me. There's no turning back. Allegiance. Allegiance. We need to build on a leg of allegiance. That means I'm a follower of Jesus. It doesn't mean if I feel like going to church, if I feel like living like Jesus, if I feel like being the right husband or wife, if I feel like it means that we are followers of Jesus, not just in red comfortable seats or in our coaches at home, but it means in the hard moments, in the private moments, in back rooms, boardrooms, and bedrooms, we are followers of Jesus. No matter how inconvenient, allegiance is a stool we lean on. The second leg of this stool that we lean on is a leg of truth. This is the teaching of the whole counsel of God. It's training followers of Jesus, God's will and God's ways. It's how Jesus and how God does things. It's how he, his values, it's his system, it's his teachings. Unpacking this, this word of God, the scripture, and using it, not just to entertain us or just do our duty, but it actually shapes our lives. Like clay on a potter's wheel, we let God, the truth of God shape what we will become. That is the leg of truth. That's why in the first moments of the early church, you see the apostle Paul, he is, he, he, he reads, he, sorry, Timothy, he, he writes this in 2 Timothy 3.16. Let me read this. Talking about truth shaping us. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. If you read this word of God, it will convict you and shape you. If you let it read you. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do and what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Truth. It's allegiance of I'll follow Jesus with everything I have. It's the, it's the leg of truth going, listen, I'm relying on the truth of Scripture and what God has said to lead my life. We wonder why people are unbalanced. People are all in on Jesus, but they don't understand the truth. Some people are on in truth, but there's no passion to follow Jesus. And we wonder why there is a wobble. You ever go to a restaurant and you got to put that napkin under the table? Am I, you know what I'm talking about? The table is, you can't, you're, just, you're trying to talk and the table's shifting and you're like... The fix, the only thing I can do, I cannot hammer, I cannot nail, but I can take a napkin. I can fold it three times and put it underneath that leg of that table and that thing becomes sturdy. And you wonder why some people are all wobbly in their faith. It's because they don't understand the power of the stability of this three-legged stool of allegiance and of truth. But there's a third leg. It's power. And that's what this series, the next few weeks, is going to focus on. It's going to help us lean on is the power of God. It's crucial that we depend on the power made available to us by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. If you've been around church for any amount of time, this usually is a lag that makes people nervous. It gets weird when the Holy Spirit's mentioned. But I'll be honest, the most frustrating part is not allegiance, it's not truth, it's a lack of power. I went there and nothing changed. They prayed and nothing happened. I feel like I'm the same. Once the hype worked out, once I opened my gift bag from Guest Central, I got my, I'm not going to tell you what's in there if you don't have it. But it's, it's not, it might be a mug, just to let you know. But once the, once the excitement of being a part of something new faded, 
I feel like there's no change in my life. I feel the exact same. I'm doing the same thing on Saturday night with the same people in the same places. I'm still in the dumps on Monday. I'm still in the clubs on Friday. Come on, somebody. It might be a little real, but I'm just saying, it's like there's no change. Where's the power of change? The stool of power. It says in 2 Timothy 3.5, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Oh, I need to be more godly. I know some of you. I've seen some of your Facebook. You do too. Stay away from people like that. Rejecting the power. We need the power of God. To not just talking about right doctrine, which is truth of the Holy Spirit, but also having him active in our lives, able to follow Jesus' example. Apostle Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 2.4, and my message and my preaching were very plain. I identify so much with Paul right there. He says, my message and my preaching were very plain. You're like, amen, preacher, that is you. I see myself in scripture. But this is rather than using clever and, pers- and, and, and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I sat there today going, it's okay if, if one of our singers runs off stage because the mic isn't working or they have to vomit. I'm not really sure what happened. <laughs> it's okay if the crowd is a little quiet. Am I relying on lights and jokes and, and, and production and cameras or, 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 or is there something more at play here? The power of the Holy Spirit. You can walk out of here today different than you walked in. You didn't come here to see a preacher. You didn't come here to sing a song. You came here in the hope that the God that made you is the God that loved you. And the God that loves you is the God that wants to be with you. And the God that's with you will not leave you. Come pandemic or wars or economic uh, collapse, there's a God that will stick closer. That's what we need as a church. That's what our city needs. That's what my kids need. This is more than just singing about it or reading about it. It's seeing the Holy Spirit very much in people's, at work in people's lives. It's seeing what is happening in Scripture actually happening in our lives. Jesus emphasizes all three legs, allegiance, truth, and power in his life. And remember, Jesus is more than just Lord and Savior. He is our model. Jesus modeled allegiance. He modeled truth. And he modeled power. Jesus was talking about it in Acts 1.8 when he says it this way. He says, but you will receive power. That's a stool of power, that leg of power. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses, that's allegiance. So you're going to be faithful. You're going to to follow. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be on mission. You're going to be allegiance. Telling people about me everywhere. That's the truth. Tell them what you know, the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the world, Jesus lived a life balancing all three. He was talking about allegiance as witnesses. He was stating that this is the truth. But many times we as churches remove the leg of power and we wonder why we fall over in our faith. Wonder why you make it six months and then you're like, I'm not really into that anymore. When all of a sudden we can't meet for two months, three months, and it's like, you know what? That was really important to me. I really enjoyed that club I was a part of. I really loved that membership that I had. I really loved that I went with those group of people every Sunday morning. But you know what? That was so 2019. I've moved on to other things. And we remove. We wonder why there's no power. I wonder why in my life, sometimes it's easy to preach a sermon. It's hard to live a sermon. My God, help me. Help me not to preach good, but to live good. Not just to preach the Bible, but live the Bible. My God, pray for your pastors today. It's harder to live it than preach it. It's impossible to keep an allegiance to Jesus 
and follow truth with the same power Jesus had. He was our model. I want to let you know right now, cat out of the bag, you can't live like Jesus lived unless you have the power that he had. Many churches talk about the allegiance and meeting Jesus. And they say things like, with every head bowed and every eye closed, on account of three, you're going to raise your hand. And a lot of people talk, churches talk about giving your life to Jesus. But then what happens? What happens after that moment of allegiance? Other more conservative churches, they're all about truth. Believing that we need to preach more truth, study more doctrine, get into the deeper things, and everything will be okay. If that was true, we've never had more teaching in our life. You can access teaching globally right. on your phone, your computer, but we've never had less life change and miracles. Still, other churches are all about power. And they're all about signs and wonders. And they're living for miracle moments. But where is the teaching? Where is the balance? They're aiming for miracle moments. But there's no character or influence or teaching. And they're amazing in a service. And they're hellions in the streets. They live for moments up here. But they're rude outside of these doors. There is a balance between allegiance and truth and power. And I believe if we build our lives and our church like that, gates of hell cannot prevail. And we'll be stable to balance our faith, to balance your faith, to balance our church, allegiance, loyalty, commitment to following Jesus. And always, in all times, I want that in my life. So when it's not easy, I want to follow Jesus. When I got married, it was for better or for worse. We've had some bad moments. We've gone through some stuff. We've seen some things. We've suffered loss. We've suffered trials. But I'm so thankful that Nancy wasn't. I'm just with you while it feels good. I'm just, I'm thankful. I'll be with you on vacation for that, for those four days a year, you know. I'm in. Date night, I'll show up. She's like, no, I'll be there for laundry and green bin day. Come on, somebody. Allegiance. Truth, making Jesus' word. Words and the Bible's writings, the base of our decisions and worldview and our behaviors. The Bible is the base, not TikTok stars. Not celebrities in TV and not even pastors on stages, but the Bible is the basis of our worldview. That is the basis and power to desire to not just read about what Jesus did, but to live like Jesus lived. We need to get to a place where we actually believe what Jesus said. What did he say? He says this in John 14, 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me, anybody have faith in Jesus? Anyone in this place? Okay. will do what I have been doing. But he'll even do greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Here is the challenge. Jesus said, if you follow me and have faith in me, allegiance, if you believe my words to be truth, then you'll actually have a power to do greater things than he has done. Are we just going to pretend that's not in there? Like, should we just rip that? Out? Listen, if you have a Bible, just rip that out of there. Should we start ripping it? Why? Because I'm not seeing it in my life. Not enough. The Bible says there's a power available. And I believe there are gifts and talents and abilities. Jesus lived allegiance. He was loyal to the Father. He said when he was 12, I'm about my Father's business. He was obsessed with being loyal and allegiance. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But then it said when he got baptized, it said Jesus received power. He lived a powerful life that changed people, changed cities, and changed history. And I want the same. Church, there are more miracles and moments to be had for our church. Some of you are hungry for it. 
there are mere miracle moments. I, I can tell you the stories in the last few weeks of people feeling conviction for God to come into their life and make things right and literally running to God and God helping them. I can tell you stories of diagnosis in the last few weeks that people that believe God to heal them during a prayer time, when the prayer time was even just finishing, getting reports going, the cancer is gone, the surgery was successful, there's no more treatment needed. I could tell you stories. I could tell you stories of people contacting us going, you don't know me, but there's favor on you. I need you to come and lead. And, and, and significant policy changes at provincial levels are happening because God is influencing leaders in our province, our city, and our nation. I could tell you, but I want more moments. I want more miracles. My teenagers do not just need allegiance and truth. They need to see the power of God. Going, I don't understand what happened, but those two weren't going to make it. Their marriage wasn't going to make it. But look at them now. Making it back in the theater. Don't do that. Don't do that. That, could, that person, life expectancy was eight months, but I don't understand what happened, but, but it's been 10 years and they're healthy. We need more miracle moments. Need them. And allegiance and truth alone. Jesus is Savior and Lord alone will be unbalanced. And come pandemic or wars or challenges or bills or doubt, you'll fall over. The Bible says, but you will receive power. And with allegiance and with truth, I believe that there can be some weight put on your life and my life, some weight. Have you heard this saying? I love this saying. It says, pressure is a privilege. Have you heard that? I've been telling myself that when I feel pressure, I think it's an athlete term. I see a lot of athlete quotes and all these, all these hyped Instagram accounts, all these positive quotes. It's like, pressure is a privilege. Started thinking about that. I thought, I actually agree with that one. There's a pressure. The local church is the hope of the world. I believe when we walk into a room, it should instantly get better. Why? Because the God that is with us walks in that room. And God does not walk into a room without leaving it better. More life, more hope, more joy. I feel the pressure that the answer for the city is not in our premier, it's not in our mayor, it's not in our business, it's, it's actually in Jesus. And I am a dealer. I don't know if you know what my position is on LinkedIn, but I'm a dealer. On every corner, but I'm dealing Jesus. That's my job. That's what I, I believe it makes a difference. That's what your job is at school, at work, at home, is you're just, you're just giving Jesus. So here's the challenge today as we start this series for the next few weeks. I hope you'll lean into this. Here's the promise. It won't get weird. <laughs> I promise you. Why? Because I am not weird. I'm cool. I'm different, but I'm not weird. <laughs> not really normal, but I'm not weird. This is as weird as I get. But what does a Christian life look like when you add divine power to allegiance and truth? Because I feel like we do an okay job at allegiance. We got such faithful people. So faithful to Jesus and faithful to his church. Amazing people. We do well with truth. We're going through the Bible. We just finished the New Testament in 28 days, many of us. We're giving away Bibles. We're studying the Bible. If you notice, we always preach from the Bible. We are emphasizing the word of God. I think we do a pretty good job at truth. But if I'm honest, I'm missing in my life more power. I think there's more. 
What would it look like if we added power to allegiance and truth? What are the spiritual gifts? The Bible calls them spiritual gifts and tools promised in Scripture. What are they? What are your personal gifts? Because I believe this doesn't work just on Sunday morning. This works, this works in New Minus. This works in Dartmouth. This works in Truro. For those watching Meek and Aris, this works in the Philippines. This works in Lower Sackville. Yes, even Lower Sackville. Works in Spryfield. Works in Halifax. It works here. What, would, what are your personal gifts that God wants you to unwrap and add power to your faith? Helping people and building his church. There are gifts to unwrap. We're going to unpack these and unwrap these in the next few weeks. At the end of this, we're going to send you home. You're going to do it at home. Your own little gift evaluation. You're going to figure out what, what God, how God's gifted you. Why? Because God wants to use you in your school, your work, your home. And God wants to tell you what power has he given you. So you can go, you know what? I know the way God has blessed me. And I can walk in this. I don't need to be weird, but I can help. Your school will be better. Your work will be better. I believe there's ideas and creative ideas that God wants to give you to help you financially, to help your, your city. I believe there, there are uh, miracles that God wants you to step out and go, you know what? I believe we can pray for this and God can do a miracle, right? I believe miracles can happen. Why? If we understand what God's given us and we unwrap them and start leaving them in the corner or leaving them in the pew or leaving them in the Bible, we will unwrap them and see what God wants to do. Unwrap living. Unwrap living. Let's discover this together. Amen. Can we stand to our feet today as we close? We're going to sing this song about Jairo, which means God provides. God has provided power for us to unwrap. Would you just for a moment, all of us in this room, just close our eyes for a moment. If you're saying, Mike, I need more power in my life. I need more of this. If you're comfortable, would you just stretch your hands there? I'm almost going to pray. As we get ready to sing this, team. My prayer right now. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you give us the gifts that we need? Would you give us the tools that we need? Would you help us follow Jesus, not just as Savior, not just as Lord, but as our model? Holy Spirit, come and fill your church in Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's sing this together.